Hello, my name is Ildiko. And I'm Phil. And this is the My Open Source Experience podcast. Open source is an incredibly social art. Open source is innovation. Like open source is enabling. Open source is community. And open source is weird. Open source is incredibly important. Open source is hard. Open source is engaging. Open source is collaboration. Open source is like running the show. Open source is ubiquitous. Open source is, well, my life. <laughs> and open source is not free. Before we dive in, let me give you some important reminders. People on the podcast participate as individuals. They do not represent any company or organization. All the thoughts and opinions are theirs. People share their stories and experiences, the way how they went through them and how they remember them and reflect how those experiences affected their lives, influenced their decisions and just changed maybe their careers or lives back then or ever since. Welcome to the My Open Source Experience podcast. On today's episode, Phil and I are chatting with Emily Lovell. Our topic is open source in academia or academia in open source. We will talk about mentorship programs, how these programs help students to get involved in open source communities and why it is important for students to do so, what skills they learn and what challenges they will overcome and how this all will build into their career choices and opportunities. Enjoy the show. Emily, can I ask you to tell a little bit about yourself, your background, what do you do? My name is Emily Lovell, and I, uh, my background is, I guess, mostly in computer science, but also a bit in design and uh, often on in and out of the education world. And my research and teaching practice for the past 15 years has really focused on supporting more um, diversity in computing. That's been sort of the central focus of my work. Uh, and currently, I'm really excited to be a postdoctoral fellow uh, funded by a new open source program office at UC Santa Cruz. So that's really been like a cool opportunity uh, post PhD to continue working on uh, research and teaching and student engagement in this space. That sounds super exciting. Um, you mentioned that that you're working with an OSPO. Do you remember what was the first time when you learned about open source and maybe also got in touch with it? Yeah, so I was kind of peripherally involved in some open source hardware projects when I was a grad student at MIT. I was uh, doing a lot of teaching with, with Arduino and physical computing and worked on um, some of the lily powdered, you know, syllable microcontroller line. And, but I don't, I don't think I was really that in terms of the open source part of it. I think like my big, like the shift for me was uh, finishing my grad work at UC Santa Cruz. Someone invited me to like guest mentor at a one day workshop for undergraduates at a neighboring institution. And I said, I don't know anything about that why would you want me to come? Um, and they were like, oh no, it's fine. Like there's gonna be resources and support. And it was in collaboration with OpenHatch, which was like this amazing organization that was around at the time. Um, and so I don't know, it sounded interesting. I showed up and I got to work with students getting their first experience with open source. And it was just so cool to see how engaged they were 
and like how somehow I was able to guide them even though I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and it was just like, it was so motivating for them. Um, so I started, yeah, just thinking a lot about like how that intersected with things I had been interested in, in sort of broadening participation, like, you know, sense of belonging and being part of a community of practice and uh, all these like cool things that we know are important to retention. So it was like a big spark for me, that one experience. So kind of the collaboration part of open source and the people, what really drew you in? Yeah, yeah. And I think it was like seeing how supportive everyone was who was supporting the workshop. Like they were all people who'd been in open source for a long time. Um, and it just felt like a place that was very okay to like make mistakes and learn by like, you know, like kind of, you know, doing something differently than it was intended to be done and then learning how to like fix it or learn from somebody else through advice, like how to grow. Um, so it felt much more like a process and growing together than reaching a particular destination or getting a correct answer. Right. And how did your open source journey evolve from there? So you had that one experience at that workshop. Were you actively seeking more opportunities to get more involved? Yeah, I mean, really, that was like that spark really was a spark for me in the sense that I like went home. I was looking for a dissertation topic at the time and um I just started looking up, like, like, is anyone doing research on this? This is so cool. Like the impact this could have on students, like, like what's happening. And I kind of came across like um, a group of folks who were doing research on teaching with humanitarian free and open source software and, you know, had been doing grant funded research in this space, teaching classes. Uh, and then like the next time I was at a competing education conference, I showed up to like a birds of a feather session that they hosted and like very nervously introduced myself. I was like, I don't know anything about open source, but like, I'm so inspired by this. Like, like, can I get, like, is there a place for me? And they were like, just amazingly welcoming and encouraging and, you know, sort of looped me in very immediately to like professional development workshops that they were teaching um, for faculty, even though I was just a grad student. Um, so yeah, it was like a very quick early experience of like having my curiosity met with like, just like nourishment in a way that I hadn't experienced in other areas of my academic journey. Did you feel it, that it was intimidating or did you feel very nervous when you like showed up at that session and started to interact with people or, um, how, how did that feel? Or what did what what did it take to say that okay I will speak up now? <laughs> I think I think this is kind of a beauty of like like boff sessions actually is that they're kind of a safe place at conferences to like show up if you're curious but maybe you don't like know much about that topic maybe you're not working in that space yet so I think it was like I mean it was also a very run well-run boff like that I showed up and everyone's in a circle and everyone had to introduce themselves so I think you know when it came around to me I was like oh I'm a you know I'm a I'm a PhD student and I don't know what I'm researching right now but like this is cool you know 
And um, I think that like from there, like faculty, I think maybe even approached me afterwards and were like, oh, like, we're so glad you're here. Um, just feeling very like immediately, like, like there was an opportunity for me to be engaged despite not having like any real expertise or background <laughs> in open source. <laughs> so we can kind of say that if someone if someone takes the courage to say hi and just at least show the motivation that that they identified they had to be where where they where they are then there are good things coming after that. <laughs> yeah, I mean right it's so I mean I'm sure you both understand this more deeply than I even but it's like so community dependent but I think it really speaks to like the impact of a community that really places a lot of like value and puts energy into that first like interaction um because yeah it just very quickly like the rest of the conference I was like being introduced to people and invited to apply for things and like um you know none of that would have happened if I hadn't showed up to that workshop but also like not every community would respond that way so that was really cool right but I, I do think it is the case that the vast majority of communities would right as mm -hmm. far as newcomers as new newcomers wanting to come in uh, that passion for the technology or that passion for whatever it is the community is is focused on I think I think that is somewhat of a common theme there is there is that intention there's always that motivation I mean I do think that that is something that is relatively common in my experience so, you know, there are, there are other places that can struggle as far as process and, and so forth, but the, the will, the desire to, to, to do something together that is, you know, the bond or the relationship that you have in that particular community is around whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And I agree, boffs are a great way to do it because mm -hmm. you know, like I said, you can lurk, you can learn, um, but uh, it's also... They're, you know, the people typically go to the boss because they are passionate about whatever the topic is. Yeah, I also shared this experience. I mean, uh, I'm an introverted person and I used to be pretty shy, which is probably for people who know me again, it's just hard to believe, but it took a lot of courage, even in like a group session format where you felt that people are friendly and welcoming to take a deep breath and say, hi, and this is me. And this is what I'm trying to do here. I have no idea how. And for me, on top of just building up the courage, English is also not my first language. And when I first started my open source community and collaboration experience, that was 10 years ago, and uh, I spoke fine English. So it was it was okay, but still just finding the words and starting to talk and hoping that everyone interprets what I said the way how I meant it in that mm -hmm. other language. That was, that was definitely something that, that like took a, took a little while to, to push through that, that fear. But then it was very rewarding after that. I mean, even the people who I kind of identified that, yeah, they seem a little arrogant but even them, they they were very reasonable. You're a new person. So um, if nothing else, the community always sees an opportunity that, oh, there's a new contributor here. Make sure that they stay. Um, so, um, yeah, that I definitely share that experience, too. 
Yeah, I think too, like, I'm, I also relate to being an introvert and figuring out like, how do you navigate these spaces? Um, and I think that something that feels different to me about open source than like other sort of computer science subfields I've engaged with is like, that it's, it's felt more approachable to like express interest and bandwidth to like contribute to something, even if you don't know all the details. And I think it's taken me a bit of time to like trust that more. Um, I know even when you emailed me about this podcast, I was like, oh, I'm not like an expert on like any of this stuff. Like, are you sure you don't want to talk to somebody else? Like, I'm just <laughs> learning, you know, by like doing things like not the right way and figuring it out. Um, so I think that that is something that's like really encouraged me to like to grow and try things that I didn't and I mean, still don't feel comfortable experimenting with in other areas of computer science. Um because yeah, open source, like I've never been to an open source thing where you show up and express interest and somebody's like, oh, you really need to read these like 10 seminal papers and then come back and like, have you know, then we can talk. Like, it feels much more like you're saying, um, Phil, about like goodwill. People are really just, if you have the interest, then they will be excited to help you find your place. So Emily, tell us tell us a little bit about your program. How 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 does it work? Uh, how how what what happens? Uh, maybe a story or so of of you know a few of the folks that have gone through it. Tell us what that's like. Yeah. So uh, our OSPO has sort of some mentorship stuff that predates me. So we have uh, it's called the Open Source Research Experience, which grew out of partnership with Google Summer of Code. Um, uh, creating essentially opportunities for students to contribute to academic research projects in open source that are uh, based on our campus and now I think a couple other UC campuses as well. Um, so that was really built by like Stephanie Leegee, who's our executive director, and you know all credit for that goes to her. I've mentored for it, but um, but she really grew that program and has since found more funding and opportunities there. Uh, so that, you know, sort of like a typical GSOC model, that's also like fully remote p participation, um, usually over the summer, you know, during, I think it's like eight to 16 weeks or something. Um, and then the newer program that I've had the opportunity to work on with Stephanie and take uh, a lot more lead on, uh, we're calling it the Catalyst program. And it grew out of sort of like an observation maybe that um well there's a couple things here i think one is an observation that our existing summer mentorship program was not drawing a lot of neither applications nor like consistent participation from students who've historically been uh minoritized within tech so thinking about like how do we draw more engagement and provide more support for students who might not even have open source on their radar, but like we would love them to be here. Um, and then the other piece of that was that it sort of aligned with uh, UC Santa Cruz really investing in relationships with um, historically black college and universities or HBCUs um, and having funding for us to do a pilot program at the intersection of all of these overlapping sort of goals. Um, so yeah, so we ended up working with a faculty partner who um, Carlos Maltz on our director, 
our relationship with already at uh, Norfolk State University, which is an HBCU in Norfolk, Virginia. And really, you know, started by have like backing up, having some conversation about like what would be valuable to the students. Like, does this have a place of value for students as a, you know, professional development um, or academic opportunity? And uh, yeah, our faculty partner helped us really kind of come up with like a hybrid model. So students spend four weeks together in person on the UCSC campus uh, with me and learning about like open source norms and a little bit of history and, um, you know, lurking in different communities, observing um, all of that sort of general open source, like version control. You know, most students are not getting mm -hmm. version control instruction in college. <laughs> um, so we sort of, you know, four weeks was kind of like in-person learning generally, and then four weeks um, working remotely and still as a close cohort, but also contributing to an active project. Um, so yeah, some of the details like shifted a little bit because, you know, logistics and all of that, but that was kind of the overview of the program. So it was pretty small. I had four students this year and yeah, it was, it was cool. They came, spent four weeks in Santa Cruz. We spent a lot of time together, um, introduced them to a lot of people that I know in open source, both research, industry, like all over the place. Um, and then they wound up making uh, some contributions to the P5JS project. So they kind of walked away with the experience of uh, that they did contribute to a project and they do like have the full circle of this is what open source is all about. These are the tools and mechanics. And now I also have the experience of actually trying how this works in practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was like, I think one of the cool things for me was like that we were sort of this like team within a project. So like we were sort of like a place to workshop like, oh, like how, how should I talk to the community about this? Or who do you think I should ask? Or, oh, I don't know how to do this thing on GitHub. Can you show me? Um, and then, I mean, just as like an unexpected thing, they also ended up contributing to like a faculty-led open source project around instructional tools because we were like testing it and finding bugs. And um, so I think that was like really cool for them too. So they ended up having like impact in these two spheres, you know, faculty-led instructional open source, and then, which is like a research project. And then also, um, in the P5 JS project um, as this like bigger space. No, that's excellent. Well, and that's kind of the point, right? Is to to be able to modify your tools, right? And so yeah, tools. It's like you you typically don't get the chance to hack on a tool to make it better. That's that's the classic open source model right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then the the last thing I'll add that we as like a follow up opportunity, um, you know, invited all the students who are interested and available to come to All Things Open, the conference happening in Raleigh. And one of the students is gonna make it and is really excited. And I think he's on the job market. So um, so I'm just really excited to see like, you know, what like, you know, what what else is out there? Like what see the sort of in practice the opportunities that can grow out of um, an experience like that. And how, how does that look? I mean, from the years that you've been doing this, I, I know it's not been very many of them, but do you have points where folks have gone on to do things in open source that landed them with, you know, your typical job in a, in a, in a software development environment in, in some company? 
Yeah. So this program only we're like brand new this year. Um, but before that I had developed when I was involved in the like professional development workshops as a grad student, I then actually through the teaching open source community accidentally found like a, a full-time teaching position at a liberal arts college. And I left my PhD program and taught for three years um, and developed an, and taught an open source course um, there at Berea College in Kentucky. And like the department there had, I think everyone had participated in these professional development workshops called Posse, or their professor's open source software experience. And so even though like I was developing the course, like there was buy-in, people were on board, like we actually had uh, like version control, like built into our intro sequence of courses, which was really cool. So students were learning a bit um, about Git, you know, as they were doing their early assignments in Python. Um, and then, you know, sort of because of not really just my class, but that like ecosystem of having a supportive academic environment, um, we had many students go on to work at Red Hat. Like that was a pretty well um, connected path. We had, you know, a couple students start there and then it just kind of became more and more students. So, um, so yeah, we did, we did see quite a few students end up in, in open source careers. Um, you know, again, I don't feel like I can take credit for that, but like the general, like what does an academic supportive academic open source ecosystem look like? Like, yeah, for sure. I remember uh, when I was doing more of the specialized master's part of my of my university education, we we were involved in a in a few research projects, EU research projects, and doing uh, publications. And I I remember that kind of the academic space feels a little corporate in that end in terms of how they are getting funding, who gets those research projects. Um, how important the publications are, how many people are citing your publication. And, and sometimes it feels like that the academic space is way less collaborative than one would expect it to be. Because if you're doing research as just a regular average human being, I would think that the point is to collaborate on the research so you have more findings and you know more input. But at the same time, having that very little experience in terms of how that space actually works and how much it matters which publication your name is on and how many publications your name is on and that your name is on it and not your you know the the person next to you um so i i i assume that kind of also feeds into the complications of how you bring open source into this space but emily please correct me if my observation is wrong <laughs> because it because my experience was a long time ago now <laughs> i think we're like figuring it all out right now so i think it's kind of messy like but i do think like I there's so much conversation happening right now even more broadly around like open science that I think is like so cool and inspiring and like like we had scientists at our symposium last week that I was like wow like open source is enabling like these these kinds of research that I hadn't even like thought about to just be way more accessible um so I think that is like super cool and I think people are still figuring out like how to capture credit in a way that feels like true to the fact that open source relies on so many different people contributing often. Um, 
and how to, yeah, how to like leverage that in an academic space. But I think like the flip side is that I think for me personally, at least, like I found it to be very much like an oasis in academia because it is a space where people are just like more explicitly working together towards common goals. And like that, that feels like pretty novel for me in an academic space. I think everything that you said about like academia, you know, having this reputation for like people competing and it's, it's, it's true. Like, I think whether it's intentional or not, it's just the way that the system is structured. People are racing to publish the paper first and get the most credit for it. Um, And so I think that I, for a long time, didn't even see myself like finishing my PhD or, I mean, definitely not doing a postdoc. Um, And I think that a lot of what's like kept me in academia is having found like a place in academia that is more collaborative. Um, So yeah, I think that's like, that's pretty cool. Like, even though we're still figuring out a lot, I think about how to still capture value under academic, like the academic system. I think it's just so super cool that um, it's happening, that this space exists. Emily, you said you've had some experience with Google Summer of Code, also known as GSOC. How impactful do you think that is? I mean, from a bucket of money and mentorship, Google's been doing this for a long time. There are other programs that have kind of gone that same way, but I think Google was the first and was one of the largest. I have no idea what their size is now. Um, how impactful do you think that has been for you and your journey and and the students that you've worked with? Yeah. I mean, again, I'll preface this, I guess, with a disclaimer that I've only mentored for one summer. Um, So there's a lot of people who've had like much deeper involvement with Google Summer of Code than I have. Um, But I think it's like a really incredible program from a point of scale and also thinking about like global engagement. Like it's really, really cool that we can work with contributors on the other side of the world. I worked with um, a female student in India this year. And that was like, just like a really neat paid collaboration, right, that wouldn't have been possible through a lot of other with like without this mechanism to, to offer that support. Um, So I think that's really cool. I also know that like, before my time in our as a postdoc with our OSPO, like, uh, that program actually has like, has been fruitful in the sense that it brought us like a graduate student, like a student who again, like, um, you know, non, not US based had had a really positive engaging experience in GSOC. And then that led them to like apply to a grad program here and stand out as an applicant and then be admitted and be like a just super stellar graduate student now. Um, so I think like those aspects of the program are so valuable. Like it's so cool and unique that Google's in the position to fund something on that scale. Um, I think things that like, I don't like, I don't even think they're criticisms. I think they're just challenges of that model are that every organization that participates has like their own, you know, mentoring style, their own training or not for their mentors, their own structure or not for like supporting those relationships. And so I think Google actually has like, I think it's a pretty great handbook that outlines a lot of like you know, suggestions, like how to be a great mentor, things you might do. Um, What I don't know is like how many people like study that and like, 
execute the ideas put forth in that uh, realistically. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I think that's something we're starting to think about as an organization is like, are there ways that we can add like a layer on top of that for next year that like helps create more community? Because we also hear from our um, our summer contributors that they would love to have more like of a cohort experience like my in-person students did. Um, and so we're, we're, yeah, we're starting to brainstorm on that. Um, I did some training this summer around mentorship and just adding like scaffolding and structures to help guide like more consistent um, structure across experiences. But And you have that as an open source project, do you? Not yet, but I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. That's actually a great idea to to make those resources available. And that's yeah. part of where I, where I was going, right? Because mm -hmm. I can tell you any any community worth their salt, one of the first things that certainly I advise them to do and most do is do a form of mentor program, right? How how are we going to make it easy for people to come and participate in our community, right? Any mm -hmm. successful community and as, you know, I will argue that you know, when I look at a project, the community is as important, if not more than the technology they're building, because if it's not something sustainable and can grow, it's, it's going to struggle. Um, so community is important being able to, and, and a piece, a, a strong piece of that is how do you get people in? How do you teach them what you're trying to do? How do you show them what principles you're going after? What, and what does a mentorship program look like to do that? Um, and so having tools, that are ready baked, um, and 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 particularly some that that tie back into academia because that's a great resource to get people who come to projects. Um, that all fits really well. And I, and I and I granted it, it's true that you know while GSOC is a mentorship program, it's also somewhat of an internship program, right? Because it's mm -hmm. paid it's paid thing, right? Um, and so it's a little bit different. But that alliance between the work that you and, and, and your folks are doing with what the communities need as far as that scaffolding to build a mentorship and building upon that, that, uh, that GSOC guidebook for mentorship. That's, that's a great place to go. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, that question and, and feedback. I think um, I'm excited now to be starting to connect with more other people who are doing mentorship work. Um, like Open Infra, and also um, I've connected with Code Day and Mentors of Tech and some other orgs, and we're starting to try and like gel like an interest group to like really be talking more about like what resources are out there and how can we share resources. Um, and I love the idea of of really trying to figure out how to share some of these resources more broadly outside our individual organizations. I think you know, that's something we would probably all love to, to do. Is there anything that you identified as kind of something that is always a challenge to, to teach people or, or to, to have them understand or, or have them be able to do in terms of open source, any parts of it, social interaction, tooling, anything that, that you feel that is, something that's challenging for most people if there's anything like that mm -hmm. I think that the thing I see like the most growth around and also like yeah I guess the most initially challenging but ultimately rewarding is is like the soft skills um that we've talked a little bit to like I think that 
my like I ask my students to blog and reflect about their experience along the way. Um, I think that I learned really from many people before me that it's really hard to assess in an academic context, for instance, like students growth and open source, because there's no there's no programming assignment to grade. Um, so I ask students to write for themselves and for me. And then there's also, of course, like the communication that's just necessary to engage with a community. Um, and it's not unusual at the beginning for me to have like a little bit of pushback around like, oh, like this is a computer science class or program. Like why, why do I have to write, you know? Um, but that really, <laughs> that really changes by the end. Um, and I think, you know, I also sort of similarly see just like, it's, it's hard to enter a new space. It's very intimidating to, or can be to enter a space full of like professionals who you at least have the impression, know exactly what they're doing and have all the answers. Um, and so I think that that is also hard to like, I don't know if it's like hard to teach as much as it's just like hard to experience like as a, as a person. Um, and, you know, potentially as like an undergraduate who's like early in your career as a computer scientist. Um, but I also think it's really fun. I think it's really fun to see students go from like at the beginning, maybe like watching me write a message, you know, over like IRC or Slack or on a GitHub issue um, to then like as a group, like brainstorming, like, you know, typing a message together, like, what do you think about this? And then like by the end of the program, like they're like off communicating with people and like, you know, I trust them and they're just convincing people to accept their PRs around, you know, various things. And um, so, yeah, I think that the soft skills piece and that's what students speak to, too, and like the surveys and evaluations that I've done. Um, students even like acknowledge like, oh, I thought this was ridiculous or um, I didn't know what to do about this. But um, yeah, this summer, my students were very engaged with that. They even got really interested. We read part of a book that talked about nonviolent communication and software engineering and like they were like, whoa, like NVC, can we talk about that? So like we got some NVC books and like, you know, kind of started exploring that just a little bit. So I think that's yeah. a great space. But I mean, but, I, but the one thing that I didn't understand in your statement there was that it was hard to be able to measure the success of engagement in an open source project because um, you just gave great examples, right? I mean, so you want <laughs> you you want them to 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 do reviews of other people's PRs or or on an issue, right? Or you want to you want you you want to see that documentation, you know, what did you say? How did it respond to? How did you respond to that? Um, I mean, those are the soft skills that you talk about that that do take learning, right? I mean, and 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 there will be missteps and there might be a flame or two that occurs. Um, uh, out out of the experience, right? But but that's also, I mean, that's that's part of being successful in an open source project is to do the read the effing manual before you start, yep. or or what what have you, right? I mean, and you can. <laughs> I could almost see it as levels of difficulty, right? Because some communities are more welcoming than others. Um, yeah, I'll go back to Linux. You know, Linux has been around forever. It's it's pushing 35 at this point. And uh, those guys are really busy, right? And any mm -hmm. project that's really busy, then you actually have to have the empathy for the person who has to read what it is you wrote, right? Yeah. And if you didn't do all of your due diligence in that process, then when he comes back or she comes back angry, 
you got to have a little empathy as to why, right? And so that's, but that's the skill. That's, I could, I could see that being the class, right? I mean, so that's how you get measured. It's not on, it's not on that awesome technical thing that you got uh, yeah. accepted. It's more about all of your communication that you did to get there, right? Or to help others. I mean, that's, for me, that nah, that's an interesting class. Yeah. I mean, I am going to quote you. Should I become a professor and go through tenure review to be the, <laughs> you know, validating the metrics? Because <laughs> I completely agree with you. Like, I think it's like totally like profound to have students like my students over the summer, for instance, like kind of made the case for a small change, technical change to the project that would impact Windows users that had to do with like line endings and file issues, you know, pulling a project down on Windows. Um, and it was an issue that had been open for six years. And mm -hmm. somebody had, you know, kind of put forth a proposed solution in the past, and it didn't quite make it through. And my students like, did the thoughtful engagement to like, go and sort of like, build support and make the case for like, why is this important, even though it's a small change and hasn't aligned with the history so far. Um, and like that to me was like, so cool. So, so cool. And, but I think, I think that the challenge, and this is again, maybe like this academic interplay is that I still encounter sometimes like a bit of resistance to like, like, oh, but this is like a computer science class. So like, where is the code contribution? Like we want to see the code. And like, to me, I feel like that's kind of like missing the the point like or you know failing to fully appreciate all this other stuff that is like so yeah just so amazing to have it happen in the classroom and like really rich learning that's equipping students for the rest of their lives like they can go learn the next language in two years when it comes on the scene and like you know we're moving on but you like these skills I think are really what you need to to, to work with other people I can tell you that it applies as much in the corporate environment mm. as it does in the open source environment. It's just easier to track and, 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 and actually, um, you know, you, you put metrics around it, right. You can measure it um, mm. because all of those, all of those interactions are transparent and you, it's so it, it is literally, you want something more wow. along the lines of the psychology of, of computer science, yeah. or the psychology of collaborative development. Right. Where, you know, I mean, I, from an early, from an early time, I learned a set of, of behaviors in one of the first team settings I had for open source, not sorry, not for open source, but for development, for software development. Right. And one of the number one rules was you don't blame somebody else for a bug until you're absolutely sure it's not in your code. <laughs> And we had, we, we, we had, we had a funny, uh, we had a very funny wag of the finger, right. If somebody would were to do that and, you know, claim that, Oh, there's a bug over here when it was actually in their code, everybody would wag their finger at them in a, in a, in a, in a pleasant way, but we had these norms, right. And the, the, those norms are also very ingrained in open source. And so the ability to, um, influence, uh, your, your uh, colleagues in a company to, for what technical idea you're trying to bring forward or what they're trying, the empathy mm -hmm. of understanding what they're trying to get to, right? All of those skills are manifest. And like I said, you can actually track it because it's all transparent. The, the dialogue is transparent, except yeah. for the beer at the bar when they go to the conference. That's something that's harder <laughs> to get. But as far as the, as far as the IRC or the Slack or the, or the email chain, you can actually track it. 
Yeah. And it's, and it, it is, it's a, it's, it's a skill that is required to advance in, in computer science and in software development, actually in any engineering discipline. I mean, seriously, like, uh, making management understand that what the salespeople sold to the customer is never going to get implemented because it's <laughs> that's either... another that's another skill set altogether this was a great conversation i kind of feel like that we came up with a lot of ideas and just added things to our own task list um <laughs> But but before we before we depart, um, one last question to you, Emily. Um, can you tell us something about you that has nothing to do with tech and yeah. nothing to do with open source? Yeah, um, I probably the most interesting thing right now is I'm learning to build acoustic guitars, and so that's been a really fun side project. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. <laughs> Do you play? I'm, I'm assuming you play. I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's just me who has to learn something and then we can start a band. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. And with that, that's all, folks. That was our episode for today. We want to hear from you. Please leave your thoughts and feedback in the comments section of the platform where you're following the podcast. This season is full of very interesting topics. For instance, open source licenses, culture within communities as well as companies, mentorship programs, open source within companies, or in other words, why does HR have to know what free and open source software is? Stay tuned because the next episode is just around the corner. Um, you know, that, that was my first experience. Oh, I loved it. Uh, Y'all had, had me telling stories that I haven't even thought about. And... Thank you so much for having me here. It was a pleasure. Like, I will have coffee with the two of you any day for the rest of my life. Like. <laughs> <laughs>